Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Many workers could thank him for OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Nuclear disarmament was negotiated, ending in his signing of the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty. He ended the draft and got the United States out of the Vietnam War. However, his reputation ended in ashes. What many remember after the Watergate scandal is the resignation of Richard M. Nixon. You've heard it, and maybe it has even come from your own lips. After all the good that I've done, this is what I get? James chapter 2, verse 10, says, warns us, whoever keeps the whole law and yet fails in one point has become guilty of it all. That's the seriousness of sin before God. We see the wreckage of sin in our lives, our relationships, and the problems in our world. Since this is the case, where do we start? Our text points out the answer. It begins with looking at ourselves. Look at how God holds Ezekiel accountable. Ezekiel, who was a trained priest, or trained to be a priest in the Old Testament temple like a pastor of the day, but the temple is no more. It has been destroyed. Most of his people have been exiled to Babylon. He cannot start, you might say, his career. He cannot serve in the most holy place. And yet the Lord holds him responsible for getting God's word out. God's word is a warning against sinful complaining the way of the Lord is not just. Ezekiel has to answer the despair of the believers. Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us and we rot away because of them. How can we live? Ezekiel is held accountable. Last Sunday, we had our Shepherding Our Strays Bible study and 53 people responded by taking on some kind of responsibility responsibility for those who are straying or who have strayed from our congregation. It was wonderful to see that they all included prayer. Many included other ways. Your board of elders, concerned about those who have strayed, started reviewing this program last September. In the Bible study, one of the questions was, do you think... Inactive, our inactive members see themselves as scattered sheep in grave danger. It was interesting. They all said no. Then the question is, how in the world are they going to know? God will let them know. That's what he has promised and then he makes you his messenger. For God says to Ezekiel, if, you say to, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning or speak, or nor speak to warn the wicked from his way, 
in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. The Old Testament way of saying that you're responsible, going to hold you accountable. God held Ezekiel accountable to warn the stray, and so God holds each of us accountable as well. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, we do indeed bear the responsibilities for the stray and the straying. We are to say to ourselves, it starts with me. And yet, as we look at ourselves, you may be saying, or I should say, you may see all the weaknesses. Like, I don't know my Bible. What am I supposed to say? I'm no better than they are. But notice what God does. He doesn't start with Ezekiel's weaknesses. He starts with his word. Listen again to God's word. And you, son of man, say to your people, the righteous of the righteous shall not deliver him, or yes, shall not deliver him when he transgresses. As for the wicked of the wickedness, or the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness. And the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Twice God emphasizes the righteousness of the righteous. In other words, pay attention. This is important. It's important to know. It's important to know that our righteousness does not deliver us. That's what it means when the scriptures say the righteous will live by faith. God does not deliver us by us storing up good things and then rewarding us. But the Christian life is a life of faith that produces good things like love, joy, peace, kindness, as we read in Galatians chapter 5. If this were not so, then you know what? The hypocrite should be rewarded by God for all the good things that they have done. Hypocrites. They do the right thing. They say the right thing. And yet they are acting. Their heart is not in it. If we would be granted eternal life because of what we do, we then would be required to be perfect. And we know we're not. One blemish makes imperfection. And we know that the wages of sin is death. Avoiding responsibility for those who are straying is not only that person's spiritual death, but ours as well. God heard what believers were saying about themselves. Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us and we waste away or we rot away because of them. How can we live? God 
is looking for changed hearts. Changed hearts that bring changed lives. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die if he turns from his sin and does what is right. If the wicked restores the pledge and gives what is taken by robbery and walks in the statues of life and not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He shall surely live. Then how can it be that a good, that the good, that a righteous person doesn't count for anything when a person sins? But when a wicked person goes ahead and turns from his ways, the wicked person's sins are not held against them. This is the mysterious or the mystery of faith. Our living God or our living before God depends on his righteousness, not on our perfection. We invited each other this morning in the gradual by quoting Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you want to know how righteous you are before God? Don't look in here. Don't look in your dark, fearful heart. Look to Jesus. He is the righteousness of God for you. For the righteous will live by faith. God does not want us to lose one person from his flock. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way. God takes our dark, imperfect, and fearful hearts and gives us his righteousness. He gives us a yearning for the straying and the lost. So when we come to address those who are strayed, our heart now can declare, Jesus saved me from myself. He wants the same for you. For God so loved the world. He loved me. He loved you. He loves the one that's not here today. He loves the one that we're at odds with. He loves the one we don't even know that has turned away. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, you know, it's all about Jesus. It is about his death, his resurrection, his ascension, to rule over sin, death, and the power of the devil in our lives and the lives of others. God comes today to strengthen us. His life-giving words spoken among us his ad sacraments administered for us. 
and among us. Through baptism, God has declared us his children. That is his gift to each and every one of us. He adopts us to belong to him forever. We're not perfect in ourselves, but we have his righteousness, the righteousness of his son. And he comes to us in his supper. There for us to commune with him in a holy communion. Not because we are so holy, but because we are given what is holy. His body, his blood, the blood of Jesus put in our mouth through the word connected with the bread and the wine. It goes into me, it goes into Pastor Harvilla, it goes into each one who comes this day before the Lord at his rail. So it is not only a holy communion then between God and me, but a holy communion with each other. Not holding any sin against another. If there is, again, God holds us accountable. Not only sinning against what Jesus did, but sitting against one another, against the body of Christ, his church. Holy communion is such a divine power because where the body and blood of Jesus is, there is Jesus himself. He is not here for a pat on the back. He is here for the forgiveness of sins, for guilt, for shame removed. This is the word that changes the heart, and when the heart is changed, then lives are changed. When lives are changed, then what is done changes as well. Where lives are changed, there we find faithful hearts resting in the faithfulness of Jesus that bears the fruit of faith. God starts with me as a baptized child of God. God starts with you, and he gives you Jesus. Amen. Now the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.